What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to Experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the first Played in Full of 2024. Uh, we're going to do things a little bit differently today. So as part of the new year, we're going to introduce a, a com- different kind of a few formats of Played in Full, uh, including some shorter form content where a couple of us get on. We talk very uh, kind of in a snapshot about a film that a few of us have seen recently. Uh, and so to join me today for our first shorter form podcast is Jude. Jude, how you Hey man, happy new year! By the way, Merry happy Christmas. new year. Yeah, man, I'm I'm actually great. I feel like this is going to build up to be a very good year. And um, as you probably saw, I started like the you know brief reviewing session on TikTok, and yeah, that's also another place where we want to pick up more on content Absolutely. and that. But yeah, man, in general, I've been I've been great. I can't lie. I am in a space right now where I feel like I'm tapped into the best of films and with TV as well. TV, actually, I haven't had a TV show, so I'm looking for some new suggestions. I did just recently watch What If? But yeah, aside from that, I've been chilling. It's been happy holidays. How about you? How's your holidays? Yeah, it's not too bad. New Year's Eve was a fairly quiet one. Um, Antia was working until about nine o'clock. And we had a couple mm-hmm. of friends from the hospital kind of join us, but they didn't get away until about 10. So I think we yeah. all just about made it to midnight and then you could see <laughs> the energy levels dipped. Yeah. And just wasn't doing it for anyone. It was <laughs> not not good enough this year. So it was, a, it was a nice kind of calm one, which I think actually, to be fair, saw me into dry January quite easily. You know, we're going to try and yeah. take it a little bit easy. Um, but yeah, it's yeah, interesting. This whole you know, month is dry for me as well. Yeah, I think it's. I it's went on a five day bender actually, where it was yeah, me, Scully, our friend Jordan. We've just we've just been outside, but it was all necessary. It was like a few highs and buys, a few friends moving from London, so 
yeah, we just had a stream of four or five days outside and I'm sick of it. I don't want any more alcohol. <laughs> Social energy is ex- like spent. So yeah, back to me. That's it. I mean, I've, I mean, I've got my birthday on the 18th and I've already said, look, I'll bypass that. A few of us again up to London end of uh, January and that is it. So, about, so dry January until about the 27th and then I'll be like, okay, cut yes. it a few days early. That's fine. Um, but you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like you, uh, you know, we've just been trying to find some stuff to watch just as we kicked off the new year and, you know, if all of you heard our kind of a 2023 review last week, um, you know, we kind of acknowledged there were a few things that we hadn't seen. And so we we're trying to catch up on that. So, you know, I watched mm-hmm. How to Have Sex uh, on movie, which was terrific. Um, so I really thoroughly recommend that. Um, and then also just a couple of other kind of releases from last year that I wanted to see, but I missed, including um, The Beasts, which is a Spanish sort of psychological thriller um, and that was really tense uh and tia's mum's with us at the moment and it's a galician movie and they're obviously they're Mm. both from galicia so she was set the whole way through saying this isn't what all of us are like you know this is (laughs) this is just an isolated incident i was like okay yeah i know that was that was really like really intense it's um if you've ever seen anything like deliverance straw dogs it's that sort of kind of Mm. you know i want to i'm gonna say like kind of country hillbilly kind of yeah. energy that sinister energy and kind of how someone else who's not necessarily a local moves into that community and yeah. that interaction that dynamic and it's loosely based off real events um so i won't say too much because i don't want to spoil anything but um that's on bfi player now so thoroughly recommend that um Sick. but yeah no tv series at the moment i did see that netflix has uh berlin like oh, the yeah, yeah. of money heist and i'll probably get around to that um the money heist towards the end i kind of lost a bit of patience with it i think it just kind of started getting a bit too silly you could tell that mm-hmm. because it wasn't a netflix original they picked it up from i think spanish tv yeah. and then built the extra series on top so who knows you know berlin was one of my favorite characters so maybe they can pull something out of the bag with like this sort of like heist drama but i think it's yet you know to be I'll be honest, that's one of the shows I missed the hype of. I, like, I, didn't, I didn't get it. And I'm someone that would normally pick up a show like that. But from when I when I heard that it was a show, from a show that Netflix picked, picked up and like invested in, I felt like from the outside anyway, it probably lost a bit of that originality and it became much more of a Netflix showing. And I feel like when there's, when there's a big showing around something, especially with Netflix, sometimes you're either quick to rush in and subscribe, like, for example, the spread of documentaries that they have, or if it's a TV show, like, a, these are totally two different ideas, but Adama, I'm not so fussed about it. Or even, like, the latest season of You, I didn't finish that. It was just felt like there was, there was too much yeah. going on, you know what I mean? And f- knowing that this is, like, a heist series, correct me if I'm wrong, my thing is as well is like how for how long can you string out a heist? Because from the clips I've seen, like the heist is actively going on. So what is the setup like? Like what is the approach to the episodes? I have no clue. Yeah. It's it'll be I mean, it'll be interesting because so like so as I said, we haven't started it yet, but it's um again like mm. from the sort of trailers, you don't know if it's gonna be more sort of like a hustle type situation yeah. like from back in the day where it's a different sort of heist or kind of hustle each week or whether it's yeah. gonna be one prolonged 
kind of uh, I guess heist like it was for um for Money Heist. But uh, no, it'd be intriguing to see. And I haven't really seen any reviews on it either. Like I even checked like Metacritic and stuff uh, mm. this morning, but there's nothing for that yet. So I guess it's just going to have to be bite the bullet, get yeah. stuck in, and, and see how things go. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, should be yeah. Uh, should be fairly interesting. But yeah, but Netflix, you kind of make a good point with the fact that. Netflix also, the way they pick things up just so that they have kind of content and a mm-hmm. library to kind of have access to. And whenever they do pick stuff up, you can always kind of sense that dip in quality. And, you know, it's that true. goes far as back as like, you know, the, I think the one that really stands out is stuff like Arrested Development. Mm-hmm. Hilarious, really witty when it's kind of just on cable. Obviously doesn't get renewed because the uh, viewership just dropped. Netflix brings it in, changes the format, which is, a you know, a fair enough move i think you've got to try and do something refreshing with it but it just didn't work and you can tell it didn't work and they they plugged it for as long as they could and then eventually just had to say no that's that you know that's even an interesting point because in a similar way even though it did work for most people top boy top boy with the same thing from the transition of uh like the channel four seasons to netflix it became much more focused on the the drama and the exciting the excitement of the idea. It bolstered those kind of themes that was attached to the stories. Whereas the first two seasons on Channel Four were much more fixed on the ground within reality, looking at the issues that truly affect the people. It wasn't looking at like a an issue of a kind of mythical character that is probably one out of a million. Yeah, yeah. Hence, hence, like the these characters trying to be the top boy. It was looking at like the school children, like grooming youth workers, the relationships with their parents, and all of these different ideas. And then when you get to the big Netflix production, it's like, oh, okay, instead of maybe investing in those themes, we might as well use this budget to bring in this bigger actor. You know, get more eyes on the on the screen as opposed to like reviewing the ideas. But yeah, no, yeah. that's interesting because I just haven't been, I've not really been in a TV mode. I've been in a, in a sit with the films that I've been watching mode. So to start of the year, I've seen One Life and Godzilla minus one twice. Oh, wow, you saw it the second time. Listen, the, the sec, I needed to see it the second time. Like I enjoyed it that much. I was, you, as you saw in the in the group chat, like I've been I've been yeah, yeah, yeah. up, so I, I couldn't wait for this discussion today. But amazing, even a quick oh. one on on one life. Sorry to continue. No, no, no. One life, I shed I shed tears twice. Like the first time, it was a singular tear that just you know went down my cheek because I was like, oh man, this is emotionally overwhelming. But the second time, it was a full on like little sob to myself, and <laughs> just sitting there. Like taking up two seats and every man just like wow, <laughs> this is intense. But I would I would want to review that probably next week. So I'm gonna let you guys watch it first before I say anything. But yeah, yeah brilliant I, film. I was, I was gonna say we've watched a couple of films to start the year, um, but most of them could have been from last year, as I say. So mm-hmm. I caught up with the Beast. Um, I watched Bo is Afraid yesterday, which oh, it's just too long, bloated. <laughs> It's a bit mm-hmm. of a misfire, my friend. Um, but no, but on the weekend, you know, uh, me and Antia are going to try and at least go to the cinema at least once. Uh, whether it's One Life or Priscilla, I have a feeling it might be Priscilla that we go for. Ah. Um, 
we might be that we can do uh, a little bit of a snapshot on that as well um mm-hmm. and also we're to try and do some written content this year and kind of because you know we watch so much but there's only really so much we could talk about on the pod so yeah. we'll hope to be able to bring uh, views and opinions on everything we watch in at least some sort of format so keep on an eye out for that um but yeah as jude has kind of already alluded to uh, the focus of today is again we're not going to go anything that's brand brand new no 2024 releases just as yet on yeah. day three of the year so i think that's fairly understandable um but yeah we wanted to talk a little bit about godzilla minus one the latest kaiju entry um epic. absolutely epic you know it, uh... we even set the scene the context for the story you know i think you can already tell from from jude's expression from mine <laughs> we absolutely love this film you know, it it's, is a beautiful film. It's like it's storytelling in every sense. Like, oh yeah, they they maxed out on every single bit that they put in this film, and I just thought, yeah, I, I haven't seen this, I haven't seen this in such a long time. Or I, mm-hmm. I, I may not have seen a film like this, possibly ever, considering all of the the ideas that it, it grabs on. Because yeah, it's got like historical accounts. It's got themes of culture mm-hmm. duty yeah, yeah. like i'm someone that's quite heavy on a lot a spread of japanese content and i i hate this comparison because i feel like it kind of romanticizes everything japanese people do but it, in a way with their stories it reminds me a lot of how animes and mangas are produced because it's like every mm. second of a manga of a really good manga, every second, every frame, every word literally contributes to the flow of the story. There's no, there's nothing wasted in it. And I think it's such a, even now I'm reading a book by Kazuo Ishiguro, A Pale View of the Hills. And again, I'll be reading it and it feels like nothing, nothing is truly wasted. It's like every observation leads to another point. And that's mm-hmm. what I felt with Godzilla Zilla minus one from the first second of the film to the last. It is a story that encapsulates encapsulates everything on screen. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's it, it, the interesting thing, you know, when you go into like Godzilla minus one and particularly because I went with my brother and me and him, you know, consider ourselves very big kind of Godzilla fans. Um, and I think one of the, the, the good things to kind of the note is straight out of the gate is the fact that you know, everyone's going to be more familiar with Warner Brothers entries kind of as the last few years. You know, it tends to be nowadays that the US depictions of Godzilla and Godzilla and Kong, they tend to kind of get the big billing. They're, they're the ones that we see, get to see a bit more often. Um, yeah. This one moves us straight back kind of to Japan. And and actually, not just kind of um, Japan in, in kind of the modern day, it's actually going back to the war. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think, you know, in terms of the context of the story, and also like the kind of original Godzilla itself, um, you know, and so this is produced by uh, Toho Studios, the same kind of uh, legendary picture house in Japan that kicked off Godzilla all the way back in the 50s. Yep. And, you know, from the very beginning, it's always kind of been this tale and this kind of cautionary fable about, you know, the nuclear holocaust, kind of, I guess, some of the shame and the fallout of World War Two. Yeah. And so it was interesting particularly in such a modern slew of Godzilla to see us going to go back to that original roots. Mm-hmm. So the story kind of itself is, is centered mainly in a kamikaze pilot who out of fear, essentially flees the war 
and encounters Godzilla uh, on an island as he's trying to hide away. Um, and he is one of two survivors from that kind of initial Godzilla attack. And the rest of the film kind of sort of plays out as him moving back into kind of uh, mainland Japan and then trying to reconcile with his life and with, I guess, the, for his point, the shame of abandoning mm-hmm. the war and how then he deals with the fallout, particularly with neighbors and new people that he meets uh, along the way. And Godzilla is that threat, that nuclear holocaust always lingering in the background, causing kind of chaos and destruction. And yeah. comparatively, again, one of the things that modern American Godzilla stories do is try to center it more in kind of a, a people story, a humanitarian story, and it never really works. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, the human stories are always underbaked or they're kind of just really, really poor. So you don't have any sort of engaging emotional story and then you kind of just have a bit of lackluster action and CGI yeah. or whatever in the background. And then something really silly, like... Um, yeah. You, I haven't seen it yet, but I might do on a drunken night at a friend's, but the Meg 2, that screenshot of Jason Statham <laughs> yeah, yeah. using his feet to, to literally stop a fucking mega... I don't even know what it's called. But to the stop megalodon. that shark, yeah, megalodon, yeah. like it's it's ridiculous because yeah, we know human beings aren't strong. When we come to these type types of films or monsters, epic monster type of films, we know what it is. And I just feel like with what they done with Godzilla one, it's like yes, it's a it's a very human based story, but they used all of that around it, as you said, like the the aftermath of the nuclear the nuclear bombings, the fact that he does have shame for being a kamikaze pilot and essentially not feeling, finishing the job because as that pilot, you have one job and it's to lay your life down on the line. But also another part of the context of the film that really intrigued me and made me think this like immediately when it started, it's like, yeah, he has gone to the airbase and... They're asking him about his plane, if there's any difficulties with it. And he's like saying, oh, are you questioning me? And, mm-hmm. you know, like the technician basically says, like, we need more people like you because it's mm-hmm. literally yeah, yeah. at the end of the war. And there were so many people that essentially had to lay their lives on the line for no reason. We, we saw that with, um, uh, what do you call it? all quiet on the Western front as well. In the last scenes where the Ger- the German like um, commanders, they essentially had given up and they're sending young soldiers to die on the front line. So there was a point in the film as well, which made me realize is this isn't only an epic kaiju film. It's also in a sense, a war film, but it's the aftermath of the war film. So it's like, we're seeing the war trauma over this film and yeah there are moments of of peace happiness and joy but you get to see how these people evolve from these situations and how the trauma impacts them so godzilla is like an afterthought at the end of the day but it's it's used so well like every time godzilla came on screen it felt like the best bits of all of those godzillas like godzillas Mm -hmm. or even a king kong Mm -hmm. that i've seen over my life but it was just mastered properly. And yeah, yeah that's it's just great, man. 
It's really I mean, I good think, fucking film. No, on top of that as well, I think, you know, I think that kind of that aspect of trauma is a really kind of important word because it is. And, you know, and even then when we start to see Godzilla kind of peppered throughout the story, so, he, you know, he, he comes home from the war, he's sort of chastised by his neighbours for essentially being a coward and he has to kind of mm-hmm. reconcile with that. So then he gets a job cleaning sea mines uh, from the kind of the ocean and you know he's taking on these kind of riskier jobs and everyone kind of understands that oh you're a kamikaze pilot why why are you here but it's mm. also then that kind of tale of forgiveness overcoming yep. your demons to tackle a much bigger fucking you know Threat, nuclear yeah. demon in godzilla and <laughs> and you're you're right that balance between the human story and how they use godzilla kind of intermittently throughout i think is brilliant Mm. and i think that's uh, like that's the other thing i think you know with kind of i go back to kind of like the american ones like the ones that warner brothers produce godzilla doesn't really show up and then there's like about a half an hour 20 minute kind of fight at the end where it's it's only them and yeah. it's sort of kind of cheesily entertaining or kind of a bit embarrassing depending on how good or bad the cgi is whereas here you know we see him in full two minutes in Pretty much, mm. you know, the film opens Literally. with him just laying waste to this island. But you know and what I also it's... love about it? Sorry to cut you off, but just to interject, I love the fact that Godzilla basically comes on the island like it's like he's getting fresh air. Yeah. <laughs> he's getting he's fresh like, air. He it's. I think that's the thing as well is when whenever Japanese stories and kind of versions, especially kind of the Toho Studios, they tell a Godzilla story, they know that ultimately it's a horror. He is a monster. He he doesn't have empathy. I think with mm-hmm. the Americans, they want to push toys. They want to push video games. They want to do the sequels. They want to make him essentially like an anti-hero. Yeah, yeah. he might destroy the fuck out of your city, but mm-hmm. then suddenly a bigger, badder enemy comes along and he's your hero. You know, And he's yeah. going to go off back into the sea. That's less entertaining than actually just having a monster who is just mindlessly destroying everything. Yeah, there's no reason that is that's more that. that's more thrilling, and also I think it cuts more at the heart of the story again of it being kind of the the nuclear cautionary tale, and kind mm-hmm. of you know that horror of the atomic bomb. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. And then again, you know, within this story, that human element of everyone rousing together to overcome their pasts, you know, reconcile their differences and their mistakes. Yeah. And ultimately, as you say, grow and evolve. And I think with Godzilla Minus One, the human story is great. And that obviously then grounds the entire film to make it enjoyable. So that when Godzilla does come up, it's just popcorn thriller. And, you know, we cannot talk about 
Godzilla minus one without talking about Godzilla. And this film looks incredible. It is well, absolutely incredible for a film that has a budget of fifteen million as well. Like the what? Uh, what what's his name again? Yeah. Um, Tak Takashi Yamakazi, right? Yeah, Takashi Yamakazi. He is obviously the director of the film, and he wrote it. But he is also a visual effects supervisor. So there were moments I like. I watched a few like interviews mm-hmm. he did like after the film. And he was even saying, like, yeah, the visual effects team, like, literally, they worked so much on this to to get the best that they could out of each set. So even, like, the the times when they're in the boat on the water, like, obviously, there's no water. It's all been edited into the film. But that looks seamless. It looks like some of the best visual effects that I've seen. It's in quite incredible. A, it's, it's incredible. And then comparing that, budget to even like some of these bigger blockbusters that we see especially the cgi in these marvel and dc films and it's like it really depends on the intention and the in the intricacy of the visual mm-hmm. effects and he overlooked it himself he even said that yeah, yeah. Oh, he ended up finalizing a lot of the things himself like like the model of godzilla for instance and then i think the biggest use of visual effects probably has to be the city scene and yeah. that is one of like the even the ending of that scene like after the explosion and then you got koichi like on the floor just screaming like that i i even felt horrified and i, I knew and it's not even like it was in the dark it was a it's i think it's like set in the afternoon that scene yeah, yeah. it's bright outside and you have this monster just absolutely ripping everything to shreds. It also put into perspective the reality of the situation. And I really like how they done that. I was looking at the the trauma and the damage and the, the, the effect and impact of everything. And I was considering like, yeah, what did the civilians have to go through during the bombings, during the nukes? Even the context of Yuichi coming back, going to his hometown and then seeing that his his home is un, under rubble mm-hmm. and then talking yeah, to yeah. his neighbor and him finding out yeah they've they've been bombed and they're in the recovery stage and yeah I, I just think it's like every everything that they added to this film they really i think they really kind of siphoned in on them were like yeah this is the quality of this and this is how we can get out of it yeah same with like the even the friends the extra characters mm-hmm. the two workers on the on the boat and the scenes in the home like the conversations they were having about like being parents to a child that they've just essentially come come across during this whole ordeal is so touching on so many different levels I, i actually can't suggest this movie enough and my only my only problem with it is i don't think because you'll see the other Godzilla and King Kong film. When it comes to promoting those films, there's some kind of relentless nature to it. And people are actually like, oh, have you seen that that film? Have you seen this? And it's like, nah. But the actual real Godzilla minus one created by the people that, you know, the idea stems from, I feel like this deserves all the praise. It deserves all the eyes. And everyone needs I mean, to be seeing this. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, and I think across the board it is a film that is clearly 
thoughtful and thoroughly planned out, you know, and yep. the biggest praise that the film is getting is particularly for its visual effects. And I think that is also the fact because it is almost unbelievable in the modern day that that movie can cost less than $15 million US to make, yep. you know, and look that good. And, you know, the I think the rightful comparisons that people are making to some of the kind of the MCU churn that we get, particularly Ant-Man, uh, Quantumania, mm-hmm. a movie that costs hundreds of millions and ultimately looks bad. And, uh, you know, I think that comparison, again, it comes down to that level of detail and attention and care. You know, I think when we looked back at um, Secret Invasion, Mm-hmm. You know, there were screenshots or kind of like behind the scenes pictures of like Sam Jackson. He's in a chair and he's got something that's just painted green on his hand. He's in a normal armchair, but everything else in the room is green. And it's saying yeah. because they haven't decided whether he's going to be on a spaceship, if he's going to be in a house, whether what country he's going to be in, what what if he's holding just a regular gun, if it's an alien gun, whatever. And it's like, okay, you're filming and going into these bigger blockbuster movies without really knowing what's going on yeah and i think sometimes that's also with those bigger budget pieces people are going on to sets as well and saying great you're stood here because they're trying to keep things a secret and try not to let things out it's a great you don't know who's in front of you you don't know who you're talking to and it's again a bit like chris evans when he said recently you know my day was three lines and a hundred different angles of those three lines yeah and i think you know that starts to creep in and it's understandable because they want to change so many things on a dime and there's just that level of details are not there because mm-hmm. you they don't know. Sometimes it feels like they're winging it. So then they have to probably do like the same thing with like video games. They then probably have crunch. They're overworking these kind of visual effects artists to say, oh, actually, we want this in there. Now I'm going to replace it with this. Let's try a million different things. Whereas with Godzilla, it just felt like, here's what we want. Here's how we're going to do it. This is what we need. Yeah. And that's so evident because it's a low cost, but it looks phenomenal. And, you know, from the visual effects point of view, it's already picked up a few critics awards. Um, I think it was like one at San Diego for visual effects. Yeah. One at Las Vegas Critics Circle for international picture and sci-fi picture. Um, it's on the shortlist for the Oscars for visual effects. and It's going to get a big push. They released their kind of for your consideration poster just of Godzilla. And it just said, FYC, every category. And everyone's like, yeah, that goes hard. Like this yeah. film should get there. <laughs> so, you know, it's um I think I think it's just excellent. And you know, and it's you can tell that despite it essentially being a horror story, particularly I guess, you know, historically for Japan, they make it with so much love and care and detail. Um mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's it's not flawless. You know, there are times that throughout it starts to get, I say a little bit cheesy. There are moments where, particularly in terms of the acting, mm-hmm. and this is quite an interesting kind of, I guess, cultural difference, um, but sometimes it's so overwrought, it feels really kind of hyperbolic. Um, yeah. you know. And it's interesting because just before Christmas, I watched David Bowie movie. Um, it's called uh, Happy Christmas or Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. Um, oh, it's yeah, about prisoners of war uh, during World War II, uh, kind of uh, captured in Japan. And it's like Chris Nolan has like listed it as one of his best films, favorite films of all time. And I was reading Roger Ebert's review and he said the difference is is that the British are played very sort of kind of, you know, thespian-like, very theatrical. They have a very specific manner in how they talk. And the Japanese actors are very kind of exaggerated, highly emotional. And 
I just think that for a lot of kind of Japanese drama, that is how it is played. It is played at kind of a level above. Even if you watch old Kurosawa, there's mm-hmm. a lot of shouting and emotion and, and, and screaming. And I think that's for a modern kind of audience, and particularly for a Western audience, I think sometimes we look at that and say, well, that's, that's a bit heavy. Yeah. But so. I think it works in the context of the story, even if, you know, you might laugh here and there. But I think everything else around it is so solid and so good that, you know, it was definitely one of my favorite films, kind of of last year. Yeah, no, honestly. It... And the other day we done like a review of the like the top five. I'm not even sure if I mentioned it because I wanted to give it that. You know, I, I think um, we, I think we, it was very briefly touched on. Very briefly we wanted touched to do on. more more justice to it. Yeah, hundred percent. And yeah, this is this is exactly how I felt. It, it just felt like every everything that they wanted in this film to be of a certain standard of quality, they ensured that they got there. And that's why I keep saying like not a second of that film is wasted. And I also think this is a type of film that if, I don't know, maybe proposed to other production companies, they should be like, look, this is how we should be making films. We're wasting a lot of money here and resources and time. We should have much more of a concrete approach to producing films because mm-hmm. imagine yeah. this level of insight just was applied to so many different ideas or films that have let us down recently. And this is bad. It's bad that I'm, al- I'm always thinking of like the MCU, but the MCU DC, I feel like a standard for their budget is like at least 200 million, at least 200 million. And it's like, and, it's, and it feels like churn. They get yeah. money thrown at them and it is churned because they know for the it's most so part bad. it will make money back. Mm-hmm. So there's not that level of detail. And it's you know it's interesting about that kind of point about quality because, you know, there's a quote that came from uh, GQ Japan from the producer Minami Ich- Ichikawa. And he mm-hmm. said, you know, good films are all about quality. We want great ideas, excellent scripts, talented directors, and the right cast to work on it carefully. And Godzilla deserves to have that level of intentionality. And that's exactly why this one is so good. Um, mm-hmm. and, and why I think Japanese Godzillas tend to be, on average and probably on the basis, far superior to the US versions. Yeah. Um, you know, I, that, I, I say all that having been quite a big fan of, what was it the 2014 um, kind of, I guess, reboot? Yeah. Aaron Taylor Johnson, Brian Cranston. I really liked that because I thought as an action film, that was really well handled. You know, in particular, you got some of those great moments, and particularly just from the human side as well, like when all the soldiers are doing that halo drop with that kind of red smoke as Godzilla's below. Like, I think all of that's great. Mm-hmm. But it took a really big nosedive pretty much straight away when it did Godzilla King of the Monsters, I think it was. My brother yeah. and I saw that and were just appalled. It was so just awful. And then Godzilla v Kong. I watched that in lockdown. I think lockdown one. Pirated yeah. it. And that was that was a time when no one was sane enough to give anything kind of a good review. And even yeah. then I was thinking like, I think this is okay, but maybe it's because I've not stood outside for like four yeah. months. So maybe yeah. it's the worst film I've ever seen because I've just got cabin fever. I think sometimes I think sometimes that watch of the Americanized versions of a lot of these films like yeah, they do actually, there's a space and a time for it. There's a space and a time for every type of film. But yeah. like I have a belief if we're a bit tipsy or, or whatever, we're having drinks, we're at a friend's house and we want to slap on a Netflix movie and just laugh throughout it. There's actually a film there for that. 
Yeah. These films that they don't have soundtracks or scores because they don't expect you to be playing this on a medium that is boasting like Dolby Studio quality speakers. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. it's just you have to pick and choose. And I feel I feel like Godzilla minus one because of his story. And yes, yeah, it's, it's epic in nature, but I feel like that is a film that you could almost watch anywhere because the story itself is so great and it should suck you in. It should make mm-hmm. you fixed to fix to the, the scenario and the saying and the characters and you want to see what happens and, and unfolds. Yeah. And I feel like with the American, with those American like big mon- monster films, for me, there's always one or one or two endings. It's like anti-hero monster becomes the savior of the day or two anti-hero monster sacrifices himself or itself <laughs> to save to, the world. To save the world. Which it's makes like, no sense historically for the character because it's, it's a doesn't monster. Make any sense. He doesn't, it does not, it's not meant to, or it shouldn't understand human emotion <laughs> or give a flying fuck about it. Like, you know what I mean? At the, end, at the end of the day, why would Godzilla care if it was like, it saw me holding a baby in the street? It's not going to be mm-hmm. like, whoa. It's, yeah. <laughs> I've got a baby a, back home. It's going to fucking stomp the hell out of me. Yeah, like, it's just literally. Smack you. Oh, and, that's a, and I mean, that's what I liked about this. It was just, it was just, car- when Godzilla was there, it was carnage. He did not <laughs> care about your human emotions. He doesn't have any empathy or sympathy for you. He's <laughs> just going to come in and blow you to kingdom come. But you know what's funny? I also, I was looking at it like, because, you know what, part of me, I think I was, I was split into like three parts of this film. The first part was like, okay, I know this is going to be a good film because it's a Japanese made Godzilla. Like I expect it, I don't expect it to be a bad film. Second part of me is I don't like big monster films because I I feel like it's going to end in one or two ways. It didn't end in that way. And thirdly, I just simply, I expected at some point for us to get that, that feeling of, oh, we understand where the monster is coming from. No, mm-hmm. by the time we got to the last scenes, I really wanted Godzilla gone. Like I, I hated. This yeah. is the first time yeah, I've, yeah, yeah. I've fully hated the big monster. There was no emotive, like em- empathy scene. I was looking at those moments where they were attacking Godzilla, and I was thinking, Godzilla has hardly done anything until these guys have struck. Like they laid yeah, down yeah, mines yeah. all all around his path, and what was aggravating him for years. They were the ones that had that initial shot. And so also that that little moment at the beginning, this is like opening scene, so it's not really much of a, a spoiler, but when the soldier was literally like, we probably shouldn't, shouldn't fire. And then one of the random guys started firing. That probably set off a domino effect of Godzilla's behavior. And I thought, yeah, yeah, 100%. If, that, if that's the case, it does explain everything perfectly if they were to come back with another one and, I don't know, make an anti-hero out of him. But he literally has tens of thousands of bodies at this point. So there's no there's no going back. It's not That's like... It. It's that not, is it. It's not like bombs around King Kong and then a building falls over and there's casualties. King Kong didn't do that. You know what I mean? Godzilla did all of this. So, Godzilla yeah. comes in like it's, you know, like GTA or something. He's trying to get his... Yep. Like, he's going to try to get his star streak up. He's trying to cause as much damage as he can. Literally. Oh, no. But, you know, what a fascinating I mean, film. Yeah, I mean, incredible movie. Um, as I said, I, I do want to try and see it again. Um, but for those of you listening, uh, if you're outside of London and any sort of major city, 
it might be a little bit too late now. You know, I'm recording here in Southampton. I've just checked. It is on uh, on Thursday, the 4th of January, and then it looks like it disappears, uh, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, it should still be out, particularly in kind of bigger cities. So if you're in London, I imagine it's going to be playing somewhere at least for a few more weeks. Um, you know, and if, if you kind of want any other kind of Godzillas to kind of jump into uh, and kind of, you know, whet your appetite in the meantime, I'd recommend Shin Godzilla. I which I think was Toho Studios, like kind of previous entry. And it's sort of more like a, in a way, like a sort of like political satire. And I don't think it, it, it's not as good as Minus One. It doesn't quite land everything it's going for. But in terms of just pure carnage and also that almost sort of like thick of it element of political commentary, pretty good. You know, that, yeah. that's quite a fun kind of uh, outing. But yeah, Godzilla Minus Sick. One, thoroughly recommend. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's kind of probably about do it for us yeah. kind of this week. As I say, we're looking to do a few more kind of short form episodes to make sure that we get pods out to you at least on a weekly basis. You know, we, we know we were a little bit inconsistent last year, particularly as Diaries got busy. So this year we want to rectify that and make sure that we're getting content out for you guys uh, and make sure that you can kind of get our thoughts on kind of the latest releases. So likewise, keep an eye out for any kind of written form content that we do. The guys are also going to be jumping onto kind of Instagram and TikTok to do some shorter kind of uh, lists and reviews as well. Yep. And we might also try and do some kind of what we'll call rewind podcasts. So we maybe yep. want to get some films from the past, perhaps from IMDb's kind of top 250 or Sight and Sound's 100 movies you need to see list uh, and just kind of break down some of those kind of classics and hopefully yep. expand your repertoire. And also next week, One Life. So I'm hoping we all get a chance to see it. Yeah. And the last comment I even wanted to make in relation to this, which I think would be a good opening question for next week, is what are the films that you really like, which are based around war, but are not entirely war films? Oh, that is a good question. Yeah. So I and was also very kind of convert, overlaps yeah. very nicely with this week as well. You know? So we're kind of keeping that theme running. So no, that sounds good. Um, Jude, before we go, is there mm -hmm. anything else that you're planning to watch this week? Mm, that's a good anything question. else that's got your book? I mean, I know oh, that you saw Priscilla scenario. as the preview. Yeah, Dream scenario. Pr yeah, yeah. Priscilla is like the antithesis to Elvis, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Because yeah, yeah. I, I can't lie, my my parents, my dad specifically, he is he loves music. So as much as I grew up on on everybody, I there was a section of me that listened to Elvis growing up, you know, it's just like my, my dad's era from when he was like a teen and like, yeah. So watching Priscilla, it was really, it was unsettling. I've heard, I've heard a lot about like Elvis, Elvis's actions and stuff, but knowing that Pr Priscilla Presley literally was, was there as this film was being produced and she got to watch the film before she passed and was like, yeah, it literally was, it was like this. I'll just leave you with that thought because, yeah, it's, it's a really, it's a stunning film. Yeah, I'm going to try and check that one out. As I say, kind of this weekend, I think me and Antia will go. Um, and as I say, you know, anything that we kind of watch that we can't talk about on the pod, as I say, look out for some either kind of short, real content or some written reviews. And we'll make sure that we get that out on our socials uh, and point you to those when they're available. But that'll do it for us this week. Uh, as I say, stay tuned in for next week for One Life. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Peace. Bye.
Network.